0: RadioMD. RadioMD.com. Hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's Healthy Children. Now, our favorite mom, Melanie Cole MS. Welcome to Healthy
1: Children, the podcast from the American Academy of Pediatrics. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we're talking about postpartum and maternal depression. Joining me is Dr. Marion Earls. She's a developmental be- and behavioral pediatrician and a spokesperson for the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's a pleasure to have you join us today, and this is a really important topic. Before we jump into this, tell us a little bit about your role with the American Academy of Pediatrics.
0: Yeah, I've been involved with the American Academy of Pediatrics for quite a number of years. Um, particularly around um, efforts in mental health and in early childhood, so I was a long-time member of the Council on Early Childhood and currently I'm the chair of the Mental Health Leadership Work Group and I'm working on some learning collaborative projects to uh, help pediatricians in practice actually identify risk in early childhood and address that and support the child and the family. We're very interested Um, in this early relational health and maternal depression, postpartum depression is um, absolutely a piece of all of that.
1: So tell us a little bit about how common this is, whether it is postpartum or during maternal, during pregnancy. Tell us how common this is and is this a conversation that pregnant women and women that are postpartum should have with their obstetrician?
0: Absolutely. So I was one of the uh, lead authors on the AAP um, policy statement around this, around perinatal depression. And it's important to recognize that the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology is also very concerned about perinatal depression. So they have recommendations to their members to do um, screening prenatally and postnatally. And we certainly... Are interested in that as well. Now, as a pediatrician, of course, we're interested in the mom, but we're also very interested in that mother infant dyad or the larger family um, group and the impact this can have on all of them. It's fairly common, and numbers, you know, are estimates at best, but the estimate is about 12% of women postpartum, that part of the perinatal period, have depression. But many more women have depressive symptoms. And it seems that for women who have social determinants of health, low socioeconomic status, other challenges like that, or very young women, it can be as high as 25%. Doctor,
1: I remember after I had my first child feeling kind of sad. And when I talked to my doctor at the time, it was baby blues. Tell us the difference between baby blues that so many women go through, but is not the same or intensity as postpartum depression.
0: That's exactly right. Uh baby blues are also ex- extremely common um and often women will have some of those symptoms you know quite early after the baby is born. They may feel more tearful, a little more sad. Um it doesn't rise to the level of all of the symptoms uh to be called depression and generally speaking baby blues only lasts, you know, in the first few weeks whereas the perinatal depression is likely to be peaking um, you know, at six weeks or two months or beyond.
1: Is there a screening tool? And is this screening tool you mentioned talking with colleagues and pediatricians versus obstetricians and gynecologists? Is there a screening tool? And if so, where should women expect to be getting these from the pediatrician's office or from their gynecologist?
0: Um, really, both. Um, The most common tool that we're using in pediatrics is called the Edinburgh Postpartum Depression Scale. It's very brief. It's 10 questions. um, And it asks the woman about um, uh, symptoms she may be experiencing. It also has a question of whether um, the depression is severe enough that they feel that they might hurt themselves. I think that um, obstetricians prenatally, um, likely are using the P, what's called the PHQ-9. That's the patient health questionnaire. It's nine questions that screens for depression. So I would expect um, that a pregnant woman would, would be screened for depression by her OB prior to the delivery, and if she goes for her postpartum visit uh, around six weeks, she would be screened again there we're recommending to pediatricians that they screen at the one, two, four, and six-month visits. And the reason for that is that the symptoms might emerge at any one of those times. So just because the screen was fine at one or two months doesn't mean that uh, women might not experience depression subsequent to that. Um, there's also a tremendous amount of interest in the fact that women may experience depression beyond that time period, um, and we know, as pediatricians, that um, that children and the rest of the family as well can be affected by a parent having depression. Um, so, but at least in this perinatal period, women should expect that it would they would have a screen with their OB as well as with their pediatrician at the time of those infant visits.
1: Well, that segues nicely, Dr. Earls, into whether or not postpartum depression really affects the rest of the family. Tell us a little bit about the study, about early childhood and developmental vulnerability at school entry for children of mothers that have suffered from postpartum depression.
0: Right, so this is a study that came out of Canada um, where they have data on um, uh, kindergarten readiness on a large part of the population. Um, and they looked at um, the the elements of that early childhood screen that was pretty routine for kids entering school. And then when they could link that to maternal health records, they were then able to see which children might have had moms that experienced depression um, in the in the previous five years, in fact, not just not just in the Immediate postpartum period, and what they found was a, a a link between maternal depression and the child's emotional readiness for kindergarten. It in fact it aligned with their social competence and their emotional readiness, so their ability to. Um, to interact at school, their ability to do the things you need to do to start to learn in kindergarten were impacted. And it further, what they saw was that the children who seemed to have the most impact were children whose mothers experienced this depression under age one, but also, in particular, mothers who were experiencing depression between the ages of when they were age four and five. They also make some connection to social determinants of health and the prevalence there as well. So it's a really excellent study that shows us that we should be really, as pediatricians, we need to be looking at the social-emotional development of young children, which is something we should do for everybody, but in particular for children that we know may have had this risk, that we are monitoring that and supporting not only the mom, but also that child's social-emotional development.
1: How important that is. You're doing vital work, Dr. Earls. What kinds of treatments are available for mothers? And I'd like you, while you're speaking about this, to tell us red flags. This is so important. The signs that friends, neighbors, whether relatives, in-laws, or the spouse, partners, kids, anybody can recognize that will help. And right now, I would think it's even a little bit more difficult as many women may be suffering in silence because they don't want to go into a doctor or let on that all of this is just too much at this point so tell us about some of the red flags things that people would notice and then what can we do to help them
0: sure so the hard thing is that it that if somebody is look sad and act sad, it's easy to notice. But not everybody who has depression is sad. Sometimes people who have depression are just very quiet and withdrawn. In fact, there are moms who have depression and take very good care of the baby physically but are not necessarily connecting and reading the baby's cues. So someone who's close to that mom and can see her responses may be able to pick up on those more subtle things now, it, there are also people who, you know, the depression is very obvious. Perhaps they have a lot of crying bouts. Perhaps they're very sad. But that's not an automatic way to know. I'm, I'm just saying that because people need to have a heightened awareness of how is this mom doing? How is she functioning? What's her sleep like? You know, what is her, what is her diet like? Is she, is she stressed in other ways? Um, really important to be aware of those things. For moms that we might identify um, in pediatric practice, the recommendation is to really talk about this and demystify what's happening to them. So you're exactly right. Some people may suffer in silence and think that there's something terrible about them, that they're having these feelings so the reason that we use a screening tool rather than just trying to look at somebody to see if we can think if we think they look depressed the reason we do the screening tool is it asks those questions to help clarify that and then even if that screen isn't positive but there are some indicators on the screen that the mom may be having some of those some feelings in that way some depressive symptoms it's really important as pediatricians to demystify and talk to women about about what this really is and how common it is and how they should be seeking support. And fortunately, there are some really good supports. Postpartum Support International is something I recommend to pediatricians everywhere because they have chapters everywhere and have wonderful support groups for um, moms and dads in in this period where there could be some depressive symptoms. Specifically, if it's impacting the mother-infant relationship there are actual um, evidence-based therapies to refer that mother-infant diet. So there are early childhood mental health professionals who offer child-parent psychotherapy or um, attachment biobehavioral catch-up. And those those are two evidence-based treatments that a pediatrician can refer, or a family physician, for that matter, can refer a mom and infant for support there. There's actually a program called Child First, um, that uh, is, is actually that same therapy delivered at in the home. It's a home visiting program that delivers that therapy. So there are interventions. It's important for us to recognize that and ask the questions on how somebody is doing to support them through this period. Interestingly, depression can impact breastfeeding being successful, but... Ironically, breastfeeding sometimes can be protective for depressive symptoms. So it's very. we also recommend to primary care clinicians that they, that they support the mom in um, her breastfeeding efforts for that reason.
1: So important, I'd like you to wrap it up for us, Dr. Earls, with your best advice. For women that may be pregnant, for the people that love them, and for postpartum, what you would like them to know about self-care, and speaking to their physicians, not hesitating, they can use televisits now if they're nervous, about reaching out if they need help, if they feel like there's anything, because that's really what it's all about. As you say, the support is what is so important right now. So give us your best advice for parents listening.
0: Well, for for women who are listening, um, I really want to, um, emphasize the fact that if you're experiencing these feelings, it's not that there's something bad about your parenting or bad about you, that these are common experiences, and it is good to be able to voice them when you begin to experience them. We've all, many of my colleagues who have been doing maternal depression screening talk about the mom who at the four-month visit says, you know, you asked me when I came before and I wasn't sure I could tell you But yes, I've been experiencing this, which is wonderful, but we hope that what we're doing is um, always opening our conversations with moms that it's okay to ask these questions and it's okay to have these concerns. So that's really important. The other thing is that if somebody is hesitant to bring it up with their physician, they could certainly look up Postpartum Support International in their area. They are, they have often what they call a warm line. Um, they also have online support groups, and that may be a place to find out and to decide whether or not you want to bring that up with your physician, but I really encourage people to do that, and for family members to be supportive around this and help moms understand how support that relationship with their baby in particular.
1: It's great information. Dr. Earls, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your incredible expertise with us today. And, and listeners, you can share this show. And you should share it with your family and friends on your social channels. Because that way, we're all learning from the experts at the American Academy of Pediatrics together. And you know, they are our gold standard. They're the ones helping us raise our children. And while they're doing that, they're helping us to take care of ourselves. And that's what this is really all about. Because Unless we put our own masks on, as it were, how timely now, we cannot take care of the ones that we love. So it's important that we recognize these things in ourselves and take care of ourselves and get the help we need should we need it. This is Melanie Cole for Healthy Children, the American Academy of Pediatrics, and Radio MD. Stay safe and stay well.